When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Be Lifted Up. Be Lifted Up with the Successpert, award-winning financial educator, wealth expert, speaker, and author, Alfred Edmund Jr. And your co-host, life coach and author, D. Marshall. It's Be Lifted Up. Be Lifted Up. Hello and welcome to Be Lifted Up, your guide to living an abundant life. I'm Alfred Edmund Jr. and I'm here with my co-host, D.C. Marshall. <laughs> and once again, we have a really great show for you today. Um, listen, we are talking, D, about faith, justice, and social change, which I know is right up your alley, given a lot of the great work that you're doing uh, with Melanie Campbell and, and a bunch of other powerful women who are working on that front. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's good stuff. So I'm excited. I'm looking forward to the show. And listen, guys, we know that our walk as Christians is not just about us, it's about the impact we have on the rest of the world, obviously drawing people closer to Christ, drawing people closer to God, but also our service and ministry to God. And some of that has to be involved with, again, faith, justice, and social change, making that connection. We have a great guest today. Her name is Dr. Amy Steele of the New North Carolina Project. We're really excited about having this conversation. We got a great show for you. Indeed, we're talking about faith, justice, and social change. And this is something that you're very, very active with. Talk to me about how you make the connection when we talk about the fight for voting rights, the fight for um, equity in America, even you know in 2022. But talk about how you make that connection between your faith as a woman of faith and the great work that you're doing um, you know, with Melanie Campbell and other groups, particularly with women in Washington making a difference on multiple fronts where you talk, talk about justice and social change. Yeah, you know, Alfred, I think about this in two ways. So, you know, one, I think about Jesus was for justice. Jesus was for justice. So much so, um, the whole idea that Jesus was born in a manger with and among the least of these was because if he had been born at the Ritz-Carlton or the five-star property, it would already have been an exclusive um, leveling of sorts. And then, and then he would have been able to be claimed. Oh my goodness. Look, I could go all the way down a hole with this conversation, but I think about it from one perspective in terms of faith as Jesus was for justice. He was for all of us and not for some of us. And then the second, uh, Alfred, you know, I really think about, um, there's a scripture that gives us clarity about who we are and why we are here. And that's, really informs how I show up in the world. And the scripture speaks to us being ambassadors. The word of the Lord says we are ambassadors for Christ. We are here to represent and represent means to represent, right? To represent meaning to reintroduce God in the earth. So if we are ambassadors for Christ, we're here to represent God in the earth. Um, I really think about representing him, representing him in creating justice for all, right? And just inclusivity for all. So that's how I've started to sort through, you know, I could go to just the mere fact that 
we're all here on purpose and for a purpose. God gives us some very specific work to do. Um, and so when I think about what God has laid on my heart, I'm just led to join in great work and impactful work because I know I'm going to be held accountable. We're, listen, I know y'all know. I know you know. We are all going to be held accountable when we get to the gate. And so God uh, is going to ask us, what did you do with what I gave you? What did you do with what I gave you? And so what account am I to make, Alfred, about my platform, my access, my opportunity, if I did not use my access, my opportunity, my very being, my platform to serve. And so that really helps me to lean in better, to support the work that's being done in DC by Melanie Campbell and the National Coalition. That just happens to be one and one that I love, um, you know, the National Coalition on Black Civic Participation, uh, as well as the Black Women's Roundtable, because it has to do with women, and I know you know. So anyway, yeah, that's kind of how I'm framing it. Yeah. yeah I yeah. think you framed it perfectly. And, and the other word I want to throw in there is service. So God, when we get to glory and we get to the gate, um, we're not going to be at, only asked what we did. We're going to be asked who we did it for. Who did we serve? And our guest today, I'm excited to bring her on. She's a perfect example of everything you just talked about as a Black woman who is involved in civic and political and social activity. Um, she's a former candidate for the NC House District 82 in 2018 and 2020 in North Carolina. She's an educator, and she is here in her capacity as the founder and executive director of the New North Carolina Project, which is focused on creating lifelong voters. Listen, everybody, please welcome to the show, Dr. Amy Steele. Hi. Hey, Dr. Steele. Hey, how are you all? Happy to have you on. Thank you. I am honored to be here. So before we get started, why don't you talk a little bit about your journey to where you are today? Um, you know, what prompted you to become involved in trying to become a representative of your state, your life as an educator, and certainly how that ties into your life as a woman of faith? Yeah, absolutely. So first of all, I truly want to honor what Dee mentioned earlier about really exercising and living the purpose that God called us all to live. You know, when you wake up every day, God tells you what your clear path is. Sometimes we listen really intently and other times we shoo it off as something that, you know, we don't really need to do, but we should very much pay attention to those gentle nudges of God. And so, you know, ever since I was in the kindergarten, I've been an advocate for those who could not fight for themselves, helping a young girl in my classroom to really honor her hygiene by bringing her extra pairs of underwear and soap and a towel to wash up every day so that she could have clean underwear and not be made fun of on the playground. So that advocacy has just always been a part of who I am. Um, I grew up military, really, really understanding how order and structure and discipline can play a, a positive role in people's lives. And so God really called me into the space of just advocating for people in a succinct way that makes sense in governmental structures. And that's what I was called to do. I became a Spanish teacher, later a K-12 school principal, witnessed a ton of inequities in school, particularly around the opportunity gap for children of color. And I just decided I needed to do something about it. And I think the straw that broke the camel's back was really seeing the inequities that occurred as a result of a detrimental law to our state that was passed by our General Assembly. I didn't understand that the General Assembly had such power in making education legislation until this particular law happened. And it was something so easy and simple and innocent as 
class size. But when you make a law and don't factor in the disproportionalities impacted by communities of color, then somebody has to kind of step up and say, hey, that great law you think is so great is actually disproportionately affecting communities of color by putting too many kids in the classroom. So that's really what got me started with running for North Carolina House. You know, so many people, and, and I'm including both people of faith and not of faith, will obviously profess our faith. And we, of course, we rely on our faith to get through life. But I don't know if we always are as cognizant of the service aspect of being what the Christian walk is about, about what we do for others. You know, we, we pray for blessings. We pray for what we want. We pray for what we want for our families. Talk to me about that connection between who you are as a woman of faith and the idea that it's not just about getting stuff for you and your family and your community, but about your ability to serve others, including those who may be in a disadvantage in a variety of ways, whether economically or otherwise. Right. Well, I think it's so important to just really take note of what Jesus did. People cared about what he did, not just what he said. And I find often in the faith community, we spend a lot of time talking, listening to preaching, listening to singing, listening to worship, becoming a part of worship, but not really putting feet on those actions and those things that actually can transform and change our communities. And we don't really put them in the positive, this is actually Christian service, and this is what Jesus would have done. Um, so it's very important for me to always put feet on the prayers that I pray to God, but then also listen to the community and understand what it is that is needed because the church is such an integral part of the black community, of the community at large in general. And if we don't put action or put feet on the actions that God is telling us inwardly that we should pay attention to, then our world is going to suffer and therefore our our impact for the cause of Christ is really not going to go as far as we want it to go. So I take this calling very seriously. Um, we, you know, have to get out there and advocate for others. I take it so seriously that, you know, when I talk about affordable housing, heck, I've developed a development of affordable housing because I take wow. it that seriously. You wow. cannot just talk about these issues from afar saying somebody else needs to go and do you have to actually learn how to do yourself or forge partnerships with other people who can help you do and yeah. then go and do the work of Christ. Dr. Steele, you know you're preaching good. You and James 122 for the people. Um, the word of the Lord says we shall be not just listeners of the word or hearers of the word, but we shall be, we should be, we must be doers of the word and not hearers only. And that speaks to the, um, even the accountability. We are talking to Dr. Amy Steele on today's show. Dr. Amy Steele is with the New North Carolina Project. She is the founder of the new, I love new because I don't know, I'm thinking about a whole lot of things um, that need to be challenged and rebirthed and reimagined and redesigned. Um, and so I love uh, this, but you know what, let's go back to um, where we left off Dr. Steele. And I love your point about the need to do the work and, the, and to connect the dots, um, because I think that's a challenge in the church, of course, of hearing um, the word good preaching and teaching and lifting our hands, amen, and, and really um, even online uh, showing up as, as slacktivists, slacktivists, you know, when you hit the like button or the share, you know, the share, but you didn't really do anything, but did you call your senator? 
Did you vote? Did you pick up anybody? Right, the slacktivism. So I feel like you are necessary because you get it. And a lot of times as faith leaders sometimes are really good at what they do and they're anointed to preach the gospel, but often um, there's a gap in terms of social justice. So I wanna talk about that um, and I'll, I'll frame it up as this. So my mentor is, um, and actually he's a former co-host of the show, Dr. DeForest Buster Soares Jr. And he, re oh my God, wait, is that a silent scream? I love it. <laughs> you know how many people Dr. Soares touches? He knows everybody. Oh my gosh, I love it. Uh, I'm gonna have to take a photo before we go. But that was my mentor. Actually, he was my pastor, then my boss, then my mentor, my strategic advisor, and then, you know, if I do real well, he'll claim me as a daughter. He will claim me as a spiritual daughter. But in any event, one of the things that I really appreciate about um, Dr. Souris is he got it. I mean, he worked for um, Jesse Jackson way back in the day as a young person. So he really understood social justice and faith. Um, and, and then even um, his successor at First Baptist, similar thing, he understands and can speak to social justice and faith so much so, and this is where I'm gonna hand off to you, this last Sunday when he talked about um, something specific to justice, the Honorable Justice Katanji Brown Jackson, and then even the women's movement and about how, well, I'm not quite sure, that's not really us, you know, and I said to my mom, we, the church, need to have leaders who can break it down, educate us, empower us, motivate us, and motivate us to action on behalf of our rights. So I want you to jump in here and take it from there about why it is important for the leaders, uh, both sides, whether you are the elected or the appointed official to understand and know God, say no God, somebody, no God. No God. Okay. No God. And then for the faith leaders or for uh, the faith leaders opposite to that, they need to understand social justice because our communities are going to listen to the faith leaders. So what That's say right. you, Dr. Steele? <laughs> Well, what say I is this, that the intersection of the church and politics is prevalent and it's so necessary. And if we don't get that right in this next you know, generation, we're really, again, doing a disservice to all those young people who are coming up, who are watching us, who are waiting on us to help make life better for their mommies and their daddies. They have to get involved, their mommies and their daddies have to get involved, and the church has to lead the way. The church has to be the leader in the social justice movement to hold the political leaders accountable. And then to say, oh, you're not leading with a Christ-like faith. You're not honoring the work of the black and brown population. You're not making sure we have adequate you know, jobs and opportunities and things like that. I'll tell you what, we'll use our influence and our resources to elect someone else. And that's how the cycle goes. We are that powerful. What I love about Dr. Soares is this. Dr. Soares does everything that you said, and he equips us with information in a way that makes it so plain. I mean, I can't tell you how amazing this book is because finally, it's a Black-led organization saying, this is what you should do with your money, and this is how the system impacts you financially. And yes, I understand your struggles, 
And no, I'm not going to dismiss your struggles and the things that you're saying as a community of color. And now let me help you get through it in a way that is very similar to some other organizations, but geared to us by us. It's like that old FUBU for us by us, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So people listen. And I'm actually actively leading a class of Say Yes to No Debt, um, D-Free, in our church because it's so important. So I say all that to say the intersection of church, of faith, and politics faith and business, faith and ingenuity, faith and STEM, faith and technology. It's absolutely necessary. We can no longer see them as silos. Well, Dr. Steele, I want you to build on that because I'm about to say it's my personal opinion. Um, I think we went through a season where the church and also even the black church was very internally focused on what was happening inside their walls. Um, Dr. Suarez being an obvious exception. Um, the D-Free um, movement, um, Black Enterprise, when I was editor in chief of the magazine, was the original first media partner of the D-Free movement. So everything D is saying, everything you're saying is absolute truth. That's all we tell on this show. And we can multiply that. But he was always internally rooted in terms of the resources and the, the spirit of the church, but externally focused in terms of the broader impact of the church. I think I feel a movement where we're going back to that. Um, I know my pastor is making a big point of saying if we're not making an impact outside these walls, what we're doing inside these walls is just a social club. But talk to me about the importance of both as individuals and as institutions. We recognize that the church's work is not just the ministry inside the walls. Yeah, so I'm going to share that in the context of this. So first of all, I am a pastor's wife. My husband is a pastor. So I bring that element of really understanding church politics and, you know, church stuff, right? And we are so much more as a church body, like the universal church body, than just, as you mentioned, this social club. Every single major societal issue manifests itself in two places. One is the church, and two is the school, the school system. Every major issue in society will manifest in either one of those two public and you know, very front-facing entities. So as a church body, one of our jobs is really to make church more relevant to the world and not try to make the world more relevant to our church. And if we're going to reach young people, my husband and I have five kids ranging in age from 10 to 22 that all are, you know, our kids together. We had them together. And each one of our kids loves God in their own way. They're just all different, right? And so who are we to say that young people don't interact and engage with Christ at all because it doesn't look like the traditional church where the world is looking at us saying the exact same thing. I may engage in Christ or with Christ this way. And although it doesn't look like the church, that doesn't mean shun me and shut me out. It means let's work together to try to bring the church outside of the walls into the communities so that we can bring Jesus where the people are instead of waiting on the people to come to us. And I think the last two years of COVID taught us that. Your church is only as strong as the people and their mission that God has placed inside of them and their willingness to get it out of their bodies and into the world and into the communities. We no longer can just sit back and wait for people to come and find us because they're not going to find Jesus like that. We yeah, carry Jesus yeah. where we go. Yeah, and you know, the church is in jeopardy of, you know, I hate the word, I'm going to be really tender with the word, um, but I think we all know, no, I'm just going to say it, right, that the church is losing, is losing and declining because the current generation and one to come does not 
really see themselves. And you hit Dr. Steele, you preached the whole message there in terms of what is happening right now and why the church now needs a strategy of being relevant. How do you remain relevant? How do you dismantle, uh, you know, limiting thoughts and beliefs in terms of what uh, church and faith look like? And uh, I'll say this uh, before we wrap to go to a break, the current generation is demanding, right? Or demanding do something or you will be lost right? You will be lost. And because the current generation is extremely uh, woke, conscious, right? Woke and conscious and demanding justice because they are no longer playing by the old rules. So we will be right back. Listen, this is Be Lifted Up, your guide to living an abundant life. We will be right back. Announcing the Mocha Podcast Network, an innovative lifestyle podcast network featuring conversations from a Black perspective. Curated with respected voices led by actresses and comedians Sherry Shepard and Kim Whitley. We're funny and we have a yes. point of view. We call that edumatainment. That's what we call it. Is that what it is? Veteran TV journalist Rolanda Watts. Shocking the heck out of everybody. The legendary Funky Divas in Vogue. This topic is girl groups in the industry. To syndicated broadcast personalities, Lonnie Love and Dee Dee McGuire, as well as an array of experts and activists. Mocha Podcast Network, a lifestyle destination with authentic voices and perspectives designed to enrich and empower women of color with a unique listening experience. More than a destination, the Mocha Podcast Network is a full-service studio that offers an ongoing portfolio of production, distribution, marketing, guest booking, and most importantly, ad sales. With a unique revenue model for podcasters that includes customized promotional campaigns created specifically around podcaster and targeted audience, service social media promos and pushes, MPN brand advertising, targeted electronic newsletter, experienced sales representation, for advertisers, the Mocha Podcast Network is a safe marketplace to align their brands with trusted voices, organically engaging the highly in-demand female consumer and more. With quality over quantity, from concept to completion, now is the time for content creators and brands to join the innovative Mocha Podcast Network and experience unapologetic conversations with a new perspective. Before we went to break, we were talking about just the need um, for the church to do something different. And, and I'm even going to say um, do better in terms of outreach. You know, I um, I had the privilege of doing some training with Dr. Barbara Skinner-Williams, who is the co-chair of the National Clergy. And um, I do a training. It's on social media and it's specifically for master series for distinguished clergy. And one of the things that I know almost got me thrown out of the class, uh, Dr. Steele, was just, you know, having this conversation with pastors about, I know God called you. I know you're anointed. But what you did not know is your job description expanded. You are now responsible for biz dev. In business, Alfred is called, isn't it called, it's called biz dev. New yeah. client, unchurched, and how yes. you're going to do that. Do you love that, Dr. Steele? B new biz, biz development so yeah. god see see pastors traditionally now traditionally now we know we all know the exceptions to the rule there are many of amazing pastors but there are some 
who I'm concerned about, but their job description expanded. Mm -hmm. They are responsible now for strategic planning for biz development strategy, how are you reaching them? And so I told them, and I'm like, I know they're gonna throw me out. I said, look, if y'all not online, other people are passing to y'all people. They're saying, where are you? And in fact, I'll say this, and then we'll, I really, we wanna talk about the goals of the new North Carolina project, but um, people are looking for pastors and faith leaders to say something about the disrespect and the disregard. And that's where that social justice piece comes in. So I really want to, we wanna talk uh, Dr. Steele about you solving a big problem and you being the answer through the new North Carolina project. So can you just talk about and introduce us to really the bridge and the problem you really are looking to solve here? Um, with regard to lifelong voters, right? Activating all of the unregistered voters. Um, so yeah, yeah, I'll hand it and, over and, to and you. And before you jump in, Dr. Sis, I want to underscore something you just said about this opportunity for new biz development, bringing in people from outside of your current base into your current base. The pandemic and the forcing of people to do cyber ministries was a brilliant opportunity. I'm the member of the church that I'm a member of right now because I started going to their cyber services and decided to join that church. And so Dee is absolutely right. If you're not online, if you didn't take this past year and a half as an opportunity to say, no, we're not just inward facing with our current quote unquote clients, we're outward facing, inviting you into the services that we provide, then you're literally not doing your job and you're literally turning a blind eye to a big part, I would say almost the core part of your mission. So I'm gonna I'm step back, D. every time Dee says something brilliant, which is every show, I have to amen her. Amen to both of you. First of all, um, I'm sitting over here just, you know, bubbling because I'm so excited. Um, Dee, you hit the nail on the head. Business development. Bishop T.D. Jakes just said this, that there are so many pastors who are great orators and great anointed people of God. They can preach a house down, right? But their gift of administration is not necessarily there. And that's okay, because if that gift of administration is not there, God will send you somebody and when he sends somebody, you got to be able to see them, receive them, and let them go, right? Let them go do something and help let them help you with that development component because everyone's not called to that. I'm called to something like that, but everyone is not called to that. And, and there could be friction, you know, especially between the old guard and the new guard. And so that's a whole nother, you know, generational concept in the church. But the bridge between ministry and social justice is something that New North Carolina Project focuses on. What I see often as a you know, minister's wife and as a, a leader in the church myself is that church folk are sometimes some of the most defeated people mm -hmm. mentally, socially, physically, financially, et cetera. Sometimes we're the most, uh, you know, we're doing great. And then other times we're some of the most defeated people and we can't operate like that. And one of the things that keeps us operating in a space of defeat sometimes, which causes us to lose members and things like that, is this notion of not understanding our power, not understanding the power of God within us, and then using that in a politically engaged way, because we're trying so hard not to talk about politics and put that in the church. And we're trying so hard to keep the separation between church and state. Listen, that no longer works. It's not a thing. It's not a thing at all. God fights for and advocates for everybody to come to know him as their personal savior. He advocates for people to have a better, more abundant life. How do you expect to have a better, more abundant life 
Do you think it's just going to drop down from heaven or you got to go fight for it? The way you fight for it is through social justice, through change, through advocacy, through protest, through fighting, through, you know, policy change, law change, et cetera, and electing people who also believe in the same ideals so that you can see policies change. If we want to see more strict policies around student loans, you think that's just going to be given to us and handed to us and black students are going to be disproportionately affected by their desire to go to college because they're going to be given more loans, whereas that's not the case for our counterparts. It doesn't just happen. You got to elect the right people. So we must get this intersectionality of church and state right. And we must stop saying and believing these old narratives that you can't talk about politics in church. You better not have a candidate speak out, you know, and come and tell us if they're going to be able to fight for our community or not. That's not allowed. Yes, it is. And you can still have your tax exempt status <laughs> and talk about politics in the pulpit. Mm -hmm. You just have to be a little strategic, but you can still do it. So we must fix that. So Dr. Steele, let's jump right into what you're accomplishing and what your motivation was, why your spirit was moved to found the new North Carolina project. And, you know, the two big goals that we want to talk about in this segment and probably in the next one is investing in communities of color. And the, the other goal, which is actually more fascinating to me, is creating lifelong voters. Because I think we tend to get excited for certain presidential elections. Then we go to sleep. We ignore local elections. We and their local elections are actually more important in terms of direct impact on our day-to-day -day life. School boards, who's the sheriff, who the judges when that's in an elected position. Um, so talk to me about the goals of the new North Carolina project. Yeah, so the first thing is, you know, I decided to start this organization out of really losing my two elections and realizing we had some infrastructure issues that prevented people from voting. Not because people didn't have the means to go vote. You're talking people with cars, people with, you know, good incomes. They just don't show up to vote. Why is that? And I really saw a gap in just voter turnout in people of color communities. In North Carolina, we left over a million votes on the table of people who people of color who were eligible to register to vote and did not register or who were already registered and just chose not to show up. In 2020, our wow. Chief Justice, one out of two Black females ever in the entire history of Chief Justices across the state, so the number one justice holder in the state, that top seat, wow. our Black Chief Justice lost her race by 401 votes. No so way. If only a half percent of the people of color had shown up knowing how important it is to have a chief justice who is black, who led a technology revolution in our court system, causing people to be processed quicker, right? So they don't spend unnecessary times in jail. And then also who led the effort to raise the age so that kids who are cognitively not able to really process their mistakes and the actions that they're making at age 16. She raised the age, led the effort in raising the age to 18 for them to be tried as an adult because they were being tried as 16 year olds as adults. These are the types of things that people don't make the connection to. So our focus in the new North Carolina project is to make communities aware of all of the ways they need to get involved politically, but more importantly, how it relates to them personally. So we plan to register 50,000 voters this year and 100,000 over the next two years, but then also see 250,000 more people engaged in the electorate, people of color, by 2024, which is our next presidential election. We wanna make sure we invest in communities of color by being a Black-led organization, a person of color-led organization who attracts that type of investment to our state. 
listen, we're going to dive even deeper. I'm really fascinated about what you're doing. And again, I want to emphasize this importance of getting people to think about the local elections, not that every four year presidential elections or the midterm elections. 401. Listen, did you hear what Dr. Steele said about one Black woman justice won an election, or I'm sorry, lost because of 401 people did not show up. You know what? I'm just still stuck on that. And so let me just come out of that because it's just so disappointing. Um, in fact, we'll hand this back to you, Dr. Steele, but part of I think where there needs to be a bridge is there was a time where politics was the role and responsibility of a certain group of people. And others of us, like Alfred and myself, you know, I spent my career, most of my career on Wall Street before I started my company, Alfred, senior vice president over at Black Enterprise. So our work was not necessarily the work of you know where I'm going with this? We weren't really assigned a task um, to advocate for justice in any way. And so we were really not engaged. And I think there's a big gap and a big need for those of us whose primary role and responsibility has nothing to do with elections and civic engagement and mobilizing people. I think we are now all responsible, all hands on deck. We need professionals because 401 people, if I lived in North Carolina, I'm taking it personal that that's my responsibility. D, if you did something and she lost, okay, well, you did something. But if she lost and you did nothing, D. Marshall, listen, shame on you as a leader. Shame on you, D.C. Marshall, as church, okay? Because what we do is we celebrate our personal wins and victories. Yes. But baby, yes. look, all, listen, everything is at stake. Our grandbabies, grandbabies, grandbabies' lives are at stake. Our voting rights are at stake. It all has a bottom up, top down. So anyway, I just get super passionate about this. And this isn't even my primary work, but I thank God that he steered up something on the inside of me that I could not have the access, the platform, the insight. I could not have mentors like a Dr. Barbara William Skinner or Dr. DeForest Story and sit by idle and just shout and lift up my hands and look cute at church, okay? Because that's over, game over. I believe the measure and the metric of a leader right now is what are you doing to get... If, you live in North Carolina. What are you doing to get behind the new North Carolina project? Huh? I'm sorry, Dr. Steele. Alfred, bring us back. Take, bring us in. Reel us in. <laughs> I'm never going to reel you in because you are right. You are right. You are right. You are right. You can stop there. You are right. <laughs> 401. And Dr. Steele, you talked about all those people who are registered to vote. I know you talked about people who weren't registered. That could have been. But the people who were registered and didn't, again, yeah. that's that's as graphic. At, at church, at church and at work with red bottoms on it and expensive bags. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Lord. We're gonna lose some listeners. We're gonna lose some people. God cover me. Okay. Nice hand driving big cars, driving big cars. Okay. So, I'm so, sorry, so, Dr. Steele, uh, bring us back. Good. The floor is yours, back. Dr. Steele. And talk about the big win, in, at least in terms of the battle over redistricting that also happened in North Carolina. And then I also want you to talk about this bigger mission, which is addressing everything that D is really excited about or energized about, about the goal of creating lifelong voters. And how are you going about that? Because I think there are people in other states, other communities that also can, can learn from that. Absolutely. Um, so D, you're right on the money. That 401, it hurts so bad. And that was after the recount. I mean, it hurts so bad. 
So again, I have personal friends who were impacted by their kids not being tried as an adult, who were so thankful that that law passed under our previous chief justice. These are the types of stories that if people don't connect with why it's so important to get involved in your local politics, in your school board, et cetera, if they don't make that connection, then we're going to keep fighting a fight, not really understanding how to fix the root of the issue. One such root or thing, and I'll move on to what you asked me to speak about, is this whole thing about curriculum and CRT and critical race theory and all of these things. We did a deep dive into the social studies curriculum of North Carolina. So my PhD is in curriculum and instruction with a focus on urban education. So I love curriculum. And after we dove into the curriculum, we actually started to understand that the North Carolina School Board already embedded curriculum changes that forced the, the teachers to really teach about Black history all year long, not just in February, but then not just Black history other cultures and their history embedded in the curriculum. First time ever that it's looked like that. And that's something that even though we see this kind of, you know, massive organization around school board meetings, which is why it's important to go to your kid's school board's meeting and then also show up and listen and talk for three minutes on any topic you want to talk about, but show up if you're a parent, you should be speaking at a school board meeting. That is your civic obligation. But I digress and I'll come off of that, but we have to show up and really give the counter narrative of what's going on with curriculum. And there are some positive things going on with curriculum that still allow people of color to be seen at the forefront of education. So I just want to pause and say that. Now let's get back to this kind of intersectionality of our goals as the New North Carolina Project and what we're trying to do with creating voters forever. We want to make sure that people attach their political engagement to a personal issue, which keeps them coming back to the polls. As they come back to the polls year after year, it won't be because we have a Messiah candidate who is so amazing that we just can't stay away. Whether that's you know, electing a Senator, depending on how uh, Justice Katanji Brown Jackson's confirmation hearings go, if, if it goes well, great. If it doesn't go well, we may be needing to put our senators in place in November so we can vote again. These are the types of reasons why we want people to find their reason to vote in every election. Our job is not to give it to them because the most disrespectful thing you can do to a community, especially a community of color, especially as the oppressor, is come in and say, this is what you need to do. No, no, no. Don't tell me what we need to do. God gave me a vision. Mm. I know what my family needs to do. I know what we need to do as a community. And I know how people of color have been treated. This is what we need to do. And communities of color have to start speaking back. So we amplify the voices of people of color by knocking on those doors, making those phone calls, sending those texts. We send thousands, thousands of text messages. We knock on thousands of doors. We make thousands of phone calls. We follow in alignment with the efforts of Stacey Abrams and those amazing women in Georgia who've been doing this work for many, many years, but have not gotten the attention over the last decade that they're getting now. And one of the things that we know is that we have to all work together, but in collaboration. So that's what we do to engage our communities. We work with other groups. We are not just the only ones doing this work. There are amazing people doing this work, but we decided to come together and organize the organizers and be of help and support in bringing resources and attracting resources to the state so that we can all move forward together to amplify the voices of people of color period. Wow. That's what we're talking Ooh. about. Come on, Doc. Come on with it. So where are we now? 
where are you now in terms of we got the upcoming midterms? Um, I know your church is aligned, you and your husband, but where are you now with mobilizing and this upcoming midterm election kind of being a, a I think a big test for how much yeah. we've learned and how far we've come over the last couple of election cycles. So what we've been doing is really identifying holes and gaps. We've been hiring staff to help us address some of those holes and gaps in community organizing and field organizing, which is that door knocking, you know, campaign-esque type of work, but then also in understanding what's going on in communities. We're learning from knocking doors, talking to voters and doing that direct voter contact and registering voters. We're learning what's important to people and then helping to amplify those messages so that we can get people to really understand why it's so important to vote. So it's kind of the cyclical cycle of action that we're engaging in. I started this work in January of 2021, just listening. Two months later, I decided to start the organization. God clearly said to me, organize them, organize them. I had no idea what that meant. And when God talks, he does not provide a ton of details. You just have to go with it. And you go through the first door as cloudy as it is, and then he'll give you all the other open doors. After that, we raised about $2 million. And that allowed us to go ahead and hire some staff. We're now sitting at a full-time staff of 14. And we knock, call, text, community organize every day of every week. So yes, we're preparing for a positive midterm, but we also know this work is long-term. It is not just one cycle. So we'll be here for a while by the grace of God. Wow. I'm so inspired. I am so inspired. I think we have to wrap. I'm so fired up, but the truth is I'm really inspired by Dr. Steele, Dr. Uh, Amy Steele from the new North Carolina Project. Doc, what would you share with the listeners in terms of how do they contact you, support you, whatever your last thoughts are, please share. Absolutely. So you can find us on all social media channels at new NC Project on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. You can also find us on our website at newnorthcarolinaproject.org. We would love for you to get involved, volunteer, donate, join us, but do something. Thank you so much, Dr. Steele. I mean, you really poured into our audience. I know you set other people on fire besides me and Dee. I mean, Dee's clearly on fire. We, we want to make sure we carry this message forward. Listen, you've been listening to Be Lifted Up, your guide to living an abundant life. I'm Alfred Lippert Jr. with DC Marshall. You can follow us on social media at Be Lifted Up Radio across all social platforms. And you can listen to this episode as well as other episodes of the show at Mocha Podcast with an S, podcastnetwork.com. Thank you for listening to Be Lifted Up, your guide to living an abundant life. It's Be Lifted Up, your guide to living an abundant life. Announcing the Mocha Podcast Network, an innovative lifestyle podcast network featuring conversations from a black perspective. Curated with respected voices led by actresses and comedians, Sherry Shepard and Kim Whitley. We're funny and we have a yes. point of view. We call that edumatainment. That's what we call it. Is that what it is? Veteran TV journalist, Rolanda Watts. Shocking the heck out of everybody. The legendary Unky Divas in Vogue. This topic is 
girl groups in the industry. To syndicated broadcast personalities, Lonnie Love and Dee Dee McGuire, as well as an array of experts and activists. Mocha Podcast Network, a lifestyle destination with authentic voices and perspectives designed to enrich and empower women of color with a unique listening experience. More than a destination, the Mocha Podcast Network is a full-service studio that offers an ongoing portfolio of production, distribution, marketing, guest booking, and most importantly, ad sales. With a unique revenue model for podcasters that includes customized promotional campaigns created specifically around podcaster and targeted audience, service social media promos and pushes, MPN brand advertising, targeted electronic newsletter, experienced sales representation. For advertisers, the Mocha Podcast Network is a safe marketplace to align their brands with trusted voices, organically engaging the highly in-demand female consumer and more. With quality over quantity, from concept to completion, now is the time for content creators and brands to join the innovative Mocha Podcast Network and experience unapologetic conversations with a new perspective.